You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Kiwi Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recruiting, recording on Tuesday, March 15th. It's free agency week. The free agency frenzy is in full effect, and we're going to talk about all of the quarterbacks that are currently either staying or have been signed to a new team. We're going to talk about Russell Wilson. We're going to talk about Carson Wentz. We're going to talk about who else, Mitch Trubisky. There's so much stuff that went down last week and it started to trickle into this week. So, you know, this show title has never been more fitting, the QB factory. So that's what we're going to talk about. But I'm your host, Rachel Prevet, and I am joined by the one and only best co-host in the world, the QB expert, Mark Schofield. So what's up, Mark? How are you doing? How are you holding out in the midst of all of this chaos? Um, I, 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 we don't have a sponsorship deal with them yet, but sunshine, good energy. It, it, these are like milder energy drinks. They're not quite like the, you know, the bands that our good friend Michael Kist will drink. Um, <laughs> it's only 70 milligrams of, of caffeine uh, per serving, but it's a nice little boost to get you throughout the day. We're recording this Tuesday. Monday was obviously the. I love the phrase, Rachel, legal tampering, period. Yeah. It annoys me on like 17 different levels. Um, but we had the start of the legal tampering period. So we had some quarterback deals. We had trades of quarterbacks last week, which I know we're going to get into. The Jacksonville Jaguars have decided, look, we're just going to throw money around. We can talk about them if you want. Yeah. I'm going to kick things off with a movie quote from. A personal favorite, Brewster's Millions, okay. an older movie with Richard Pryor, where to inherit a whole ton of money, he has to spend a smaller but still obscene amount of money in like a month. But the only caveat is he can't buy anything of substance. So he like runs for office with the tag phrase, like vote for none of the above. Like he doesn't want people voting for him. It's a great movie, but there's a quote from it. I'm going to teach you to hate spending money. I'm going to make you so sick of spending money that the mere sight of it will make you want to throw up. And I feel like that kind of makes sense for what we've seen, you know, 84 million, at least on paper for Christian Kirk. Like, and I like Christian Kirk. I actually kind of like that move, but the Jags are throwing money all over the place. And so it's a fun time. How are you holding up with, with the start of free agency and everything? So far, so good. You know, it's keeping us busy, you know, especially working in this field. So this is definitely a fun and hectic time, but I mean, I'm pushing through, you know, the Eagles have made a move, you know, so we're going to talk about that a little bit too, but I'm pushing, I'm making it, I'm pushing through. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't the first year that I joined USA today. I was like, Oh, free agency. I'm sure that's interesting. I had no idea. Like people were then telling me, no, 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 you gotta understand. Like this is our biggest week of the year. Like right. this is like when we do actual numbers, like this week pays bills. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, oh I didn't know what I was getting into, but I get it now. And yeah, I, I do think that the combine two weeks ago helped spur a lot of stuff along. I know we talked about that last week. So mm -hmm. um, I, 
I leave it in your very capable hands, Rachel. Where do you want to go first? Do you want to go Wentz? Do you want to go Wilson? Do you want to go Trubisky? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna throw my song lyrics out, but before that, I was like, these are the moments where I'm questioning, like Adam Scheffner. I have his notifications on, and I was like, when does he sleep? Like 24-7, I'm getting notifications. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, he must not sleep at all because he is really like on I know. Like, last night, it was almost midnight. I had scheduled for USA Today our like top remaining free agents piece, and they dropped like I think it was Shadavius Ward, a corner with moving teams. And I'm like, do I have to go like alter that? Do we have him on our list? I'm like running downstairs, tripping over cats along the way. Like, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I don't know. They probably drink like 10 of these a day. You have to. On camera there. Yes, Sunshine Energy, please. Sponsorship deals. Please. Always. We'll take anything we can get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they do it. And I don't know. It's ridiculous. You know, it's not like it ends this week. They're always breaking. No. So, although I will say a lot of it's copy paste. Okay. I mean, if you read Schefter's tweets, it's literally just, this is the text he just got from the agent. This is what the a like the Christian Kirk deal. Like it's initially like four years, 84 million. That's what goes into the tweet. And we're all like, wow, that's a lot of money for a guy that's like a slot receiver. But then you see the terms of the deal. It's like, all right, well, 20 million guaranteed up front as a roster bonus, like 1.5 million this year. And then it escalates. So it's not quite 84 million. So a lot of it's, you know, copy paste. But Very true. Hey, Very true. that's the gig, right? Yeah, he might I'm even sure have. A, well for him. We never know. He might have a social team. We don't know. I don't know. But maybe he does. He has an entire social team. They've all got their phones, and he's yep. just kind of overseeing it all. Yep, maybe. But nice I'm gig if you can home. get it, Rachel. Huh? Nice gig if you can get it. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna go with song lyrics. I chose lyrics relevant to Tom Brady. Oh, that's yeah. right. I even forgot about him. Right, we didn't even touch on that, but. It says, um, well, these are lyrics from T.I.'s song, I'm Back. <laughs> and it says, I know in the lead it may seem he might be, but no matter what they're doing, they don't do it like me. Like a G, I hold it down for the town I'm at. And a flash like that, recognize I'm back. So crazy. Perfect. I was not, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's kind of like a surprise but at the same time it wasn't like really a surprise because it's tom brady he's the goat so the fact that he came back just like you know michael jordan came back it was kind of yeah. like okay this is what goats do maybe but were you surprised when he came out of retirement i i gotta make it a, an absolutely stunning confession here i was at my parents house uh okay. saturday my mom and my dad hi mom hi dad i know they're listening <laughs> um my mom asked me point blank point blank is tom coming back because I, I feel like brady's gonna come back no, mom, he's not coming back. Don't believe any of that. People would tell me, no, he's not coming back. He's done. Less than 24 hours later, I didn't even see it on Twitter. It was my mom texted me, told you, Brady's back. Mom knows um, best. <laughs> my mom just like dunking on me uh, via the text. But, you know, and then you go back and you see the moment the, on Saturday, him and Christian Ronaldo mm -hmm. at a Man U game. Obviously mm -hmm. owned by the Glazers, who Tampa Bay Buccaneers ownership group. And Ronaldo asked him, point blank, are you done? And he's like, eh. Then you look back at that and you're like, yeah, he was coming back. Like, he was coming back. And I know the jokes write themselves, right? Oh, he's home for two months. And he's like, all right, kids. All right, Giselle. It's been real, but I'm going back to work. I've seen some people say, oh, man, gas prices were so high. Brady's coming back to work. Like, I mean, the jokes write themselves at this point. 
But I think it comes down to this. Look around the NFC, right? What are the good teams in the NFC right now, at least on paper? Obviously, things can change. But sitting here right now, Packers, right? Okay. Rams, yeah. Then where do you go? It's like, oh, low-key a cakewalk in a way. Yeah. And if you're Tom Brady and you're like, I got another shot, we get the most of the band back together. We, you know, we lost in the divisional round to the eventual Super Bowl champions. But you look around the NFC. Now, again, it could change. But right now, Buccaneers look like in a really good spot. So if he still feels like he can win a ring, I get it. And then you watch the way he played last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, his last throw looked like it was going to be a touchdown to potentially yeah. win a playoff game. As an aside, a person in the hours before Brady says he's coming back buys that football for over half a million dollars. Right. Yeah. I needed I needed to see a camera on that poor individual at that moment. <laughs> imagine that. Although I probably can't, we probably can't feel too bad for somebody that had the ability and the to do that income to be like, yeah, I'll buy a football for half a million dollars. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not gonna lose too much sleep over that person. That's an L to take, right? It is. I mean, maybe they can be like, oh, the first time he retired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that kind of sucks. Yeah. I was, it was interesting because someone else also mentioned LeBron James and Tom Brady's interaction. I guess they were texting. I don't know exactly what it said verbatim, but LeBron was pretty much saying, uh, you know, we're both the GOAT in our sport. And it's like, you know, both of us are older, right? And we're both still performing at this level, at this age. Like, you know, that tells you pretty much to, like, keep going. Um, and I think that is so true. You know, I don't – how old is Tom Brady? I don't 44. Know. It would be 45 in August. 45 years old. And he's competing up against these 25-year-old quarterbacks, and he's still elite. So – I mean, I guess like if you were in his situation and you knew like I'm still I'm still that guy, would you retire because it's like I want to spend more time with my family, or do you keep going because you're proving everybody I can still do it and I'm nearly 50 years old, like on the brink of 50. You need to remember that a lot of Brady's brilliance and excellence is fueled by spite. I mean, that's just kind of put it out there, right? I, I have joked many times before that you get on an elevator with Tom Brady. And you're just going like two floors. And by the time you get there, he will remind you he was picked 199 in the draft. Yeah. I mean, he named his film production company 199 Productions. Like he has this chip on his shoulder. And, and the great ones have that ability, right? To like sort of manufacture that chip. Like LeBron, I'm sure part of the discussion with Brady about playing at this level, you know, at this age is people think I can't do it. Michael Jordan, his Hall of Fame speech, talks about getting cut from his JV basketball team. Like yep. the great ones have that ability to go to a place of self-motivation that, you know, normal people like you and I like can't get to. Like yeah. somebody takes a shot at me at Twitter, I'll forget about it in a couple yeah. of days. It's not gonna be 12 years later where I'm like quote tweeting that person. But mm-hmm. guys like Brady, LeBron, and Jordan and others, they use that to fuel them. And I'm sure to, at some level, Brady's realization or understanding or recognition that people were like, yeah, you know, it's 45. Like you can't do it anymore. Or maybe it was the early reports from Schefter and others that he was retiring. He was like, Oh, Oh, so you think I'm done? Yeah. I'm coming back just to spite that. Like it's, it's a spite on retirement. And for Curb Your Enthusiasm fans, I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's one of those shows that sometimes I have to watch through my fingers because it's brutally awkward. 
there was an entire episode this well two seasons ago it was the entire season arc was about spite which was incredibly awkward and painful and funny at the same time but there's an episode this season where like an ancillary character um just albert brooks decided that look i'm gonna die soon at some point in my life maybe five years ten years so we wanted to like have his funeral now so we could see what people were saying about him it was this weird little plot line did brady have a practice run retirement he did see what people were saying about him he did he definitely did and well it only lasted for 40 days that's the crazy part about it 40 days but I, I mean, I, if he can still perform at this level, he definitely makes the game more interesting. So I say, hey, as long as you can do it, ball out. Why not? Watch him last year. Watch him in. Watch him in that game against the Rams. Like yeah. they were trailing, they were getting blown out at one point. Yeah, and he gets them back to the point where it's like, I mean, I think at one point that's the score in that game is either twenty-eight to three or twenty-seven to three, which Atlanta Falcons fans know extremely well when it comes to Tom Brady games, and he got them back. And it looked like they were going to pull this thing out. Um, mm-hmm. Then Stafford made his huge play, but he can still play in an extremely high he level. Did. And as somebody, as I've reminded people, seven months older than Tom Brady, I don't mind seeing him come back. No. Because if he can keep doing it, it makes me feel at least like, okay, like when Brady retires, it's like, all right, now I'm officially like old by NFL <laughs> yeah. standards because look around <laughs> the rest of the league. When he's still in the league, it's like, okay, there's somebody my age still playing. So I can a little bit better about myself as I drink bubbly water and try to get through the day. I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. Um, okay. Well, let's go towards the NFC East. We cover the Eagles. So let's talk about a move that affects the Philadelphia Eagles. So Carson Wentz, who was last year with the Indianapolis Colts after only one season, red flag kind of Thing, but after only one season, traded to the Washington Commanders. So, were what were your immediate thoughts when you heard about this trade? This was a stunner to me, Rachel. Um, and, and for a bit of context to it, yeah, uh, we talked last week a lot about the combine. When I got there, I was walking into the media area as Chris Ballard, the coach GM, was walking out, and he was like being trailed by media people. He's kind of like red faced and sweaty. I was just kind of like, what's going on here? And come to find out during his podium session, he basically just like torched Wentz the entire time. Talked about how like he had an hour long conversation with Carson Wentz about needing to be able to handle coaching and criticism better. Like basically said like, we're going to do, I'm going to do what's best for this team. Everybody in that room that I talked to that observed it was like, he just absolutely took a blowtorch to Carson Wentz. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. They're going to have to cut him. He's not going to find anybody willing to trade for him. <laughs> not so fast, my friend. Because a week later, Washington's like, here, here's a second. Here's a third that could become a second. And we'll take on his entire salary. And so I think, Rachel, what this tells us is the league, or at least one team, the Washington Commanders, does not like this rookie quarterback class. Or at least doesn't think these guys can play right away. Because Washington's sitting at 11. Yeah, they could theoretically have their pick of any of these quarterbacks in the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Lee Willis could be staring them at eleven. Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, like you name it, they could potentially have their pick of quarterbacks, and they're just like, we're gonna give up picks for Carson Wentz and take on its entire salary. But I think it's so crazy because at the time that this happened, 
this was there were other quarterbacks still available. There still are other quarterbacks. Jimmy okay. G is still available. Jameis Winston still available. Deshaun Watson and all of that craziness going on with him. But at the time, Mitch Trubisky was still available. Okay. So, uh, and I'm not sure off the top of my head the other quarterbacks that were at the time. But Carson Wentz, you know, why Carson Wentz? When healthy, at his best, he is a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. The problem is. He's not always healthy, as we've seen over his time in Philadelphia yeah. and at the start of the Indianapolis because he had a foot injury to begin the season. Right. And for all the good that he can do, then there are moments where it's like, I'm backed up in the end zone against um, the Tennessee Titans late in the game, and I'm just going to throw up a ball, and it goes for a disastrously turnover, and we lose a game in overtime as a result. Right. We're also talking about a quarterback that is their second to last. They had two meaningful wins in the final month of the season, one against Arizona where he had a couple of good throws in that game, mm -hmm. one against New England where he went five of 12 for a touchdown and an interception. Like they won that game because of other reasons, their defense and their running game. And we're also talking about a quarterback who in a must game, must win game, final game of the season against Jacksonville, the team that is now picking first overall in this draft. They go on the road and lose. Mm -hmm. And he didn't play particularly well in that game. And then you read the fantastic reporter that's come out from places like from outlets like the athletic that basically just said behind the scenes, it was a mess. And you're hearing discussions about locker room leadership vacuums and how, you know, Frank Reich basically went to ownership and said, I'm sorry. I vouched for this guy. I thought it was going to work and it didn't. And I'm sorry, Mr. Ursay, the team's owner. It looks bad now. Very. And if you're Washington, you're going to go in on that. Yeah. Would you have the opportunity to, you know, you've you've given up draft capital and taken on this contract. You could have signed Trubisky. You know, you could have signed Winston. You could have, you know, made a trade for Garoppolo, who might not have the splash moments like Wentz, but maybe isn't going to have the like head scratch and jaw droppingly. What are you doing? Kind of moments as well. Garoppolo might have a couple, but not to Wentz's. Or you could have drafted one of these rookies. It, it's a serious head scratcher of a decision, and I, I think. Best case scenario, Wentz plays well enough that they like sneak into the playoffs somehow. Yeah. But I, and then the other thing is this there, there are people that have said, well, maybe they still draft a quarterback at 11. Really? Really? Let, let's remember the Carson Wentz we all know and love. The, More guy drama. That, the guy that seemed to have a problem when he got hurt and Foles delivered a Super Bowl and gets the statue and all that. Like, yeah. And I can kind of understand that. Like, yeah. I, I get it. But then when they draft Jalen Hurts, it's, again, the confidence sort of just falls to pieces. You're now going to trade for him and then turn around and draft a quarterback at 11? Knowing his track record. That's yeah. why I'm like, when this happened, I was left just confused because we already know that Washington is definitely like a dumpster fire within the last two seasons alone. They've been through so much craziness. This was just, like you said, it was a bad look for them. And I don't know what they're – this, like what was behind their decision, but it was like, this is the last thing that you need for, out of all players to go for Carson Wentz when the biggest thing is like his character. Now, the thing that I wonder, and you and I are both sort of in the DC area, they may have, they might have a trouble, might have a problem attracting free agents. Hmm. You know, that's something that you listen to shows around here, you go on shows around here, people ask you, like, maybe they couldn't. 
maybe they felt like they couldn't get a Trubisky to come here. Maybe they feel like they couldn't get a Winston to come here because, you know, guys are looking around and they're looking, okay, where do I want to go play next year? Washington with everything that's going on. So maybe they felt like they had to affirmatively trade for a player rather than relied on signing somebody in free agency. Or maybe you would have to pay a premium for Mitchell Trubisky on the open market. So you figure, well, might as well just trade for Carson Wentz. It does it. None of it bodes well for the direction of Washington, which for the bulk of people listening to this show is a pretty good thing. Like when you look around and take a step back and you look around the landscape of the NFC East, the Giants are in a really tough cap position. They're, they're trying to make, they might have to move Saquon Barkley. They just let Evan Ingram go. There's a lot of questions there. You look at Dallas, like they just traded Amari Cooper. And yeah, they're bridging some players back, but you know, they're figuring things out and that sort of Ezekiel L.A. contract has put them in a bad situation. You look at Washington, we just talked to them. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles who have three picks in the first round, have added some talent already, and it's like maybe they're in a really good position right now. So do you think that now that Carson Wentz is back in the NFC East and now he's with Washington, looking at the quarterbacks alone currently, four quarterbacks, does he make it <laughs> – does he make it more competitive? Like among, let's look at the top three quarterbacks in the NFC East. Does it, does he add juice to the division? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, a, a little bit. I mean, okay. I, I think he adds a little bit more than sort of Taylor Heineke brought yes. to the table. Um, you know, but you look at Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz. Like, you know, it, it's a, it's a group that. You know, there are some, I think, more questions overall rather than answers. I mean, yeah. the, there are some down in Dallas that are looking at this Cowboys situation and saying, we have a problem with Dak Prescott, which I, I don't know if I'd go there, but people are wondering it. Daniel Jones, we've we've been wondering about his tenure as their starter for a while. Carson Wentz, we talked about his issues. And then, you know, Jalen Hurts. And with the Russell Wilson trade, apparently the Eagles inquired, which I, I think you do. You do your due diligence. and okay, it's going to cost us all three of these first-round picks and, you know, Darius Slay and Devonta Smith to go get Russell Wilson. Well, maybe we wouldn't want to have done that anyway. But, you know, I, I think it's an interesting QB division. It, Wentz gives it a little bit more spice, and we'll get more Dak versus Wentz debates, which yeah. I haven't fought those wars for years. I'm kind of going to slink away from But it's not the AFC West, let's put it that way. No, not at all. But – we're going to take a really, really quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to touch a little bit more on some of the other quarterbacks that are no longer on the board for the Eagles. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, and now we're going to touch. You talked a little bit about Russell Wilson before we went to break, but Russell Wilson, there were rumors about, you know, potentially coming to Philadelphia. There were 
small rumors here and there about Aaron Rodgers potentially coming to Philly. I don't think he would have wanted to come to Philly. And we all know about Deshaun Watson, who a lot of Eagles fans actually wanted you know, to come to Philly. But now, of course, there's those trade, there's rumors and he's had talks about um, going to either New Orleans or uh, the Panthers currently and having conversations with them on Monday evening. So just looking at, I guess we'll talk on Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson right now going to Denver. It's the NFL is a copycat league, right? And if you're Denver and you really feel that you're just a quarterback away, you know, you look at the weapons that they had on offense last year. You look at the improvements and they, they made on the defensive side of the ball. But you couldn't get consistent quarterback play from Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And then you look and you see the Los Angeles Rams give up a bunch of assets, draft capital and otherwise, to go get Matthew Stafford and they win a Super Bowl. If you think you're a quarterback away, you take that swing. And I think, you know, George Patton and that front office group felt, we're a quarterback away. We're going to take this swing. Now what that means you know, they've got to win a Super Bowl, I think. You know, that's going to be the, the measuring stick for this move. If they don't, I think it's going to be viewed as a trade that they potentially lost. Um, I also think it's another indication that, yes, here's another team that thinks none of the quarterbacks of this draft are going to be able to step in this year or maybe even next year and get us to where we want to be. So let's go be aggressive. Let's go get that quarterback in Russell Wilson. Is Russell Wilson a good quarterback? Yes. We've seen some regression over the past two years. Um, I, I think even the guy we saw the past two years gets Denver potentially into the playoffs and you get into the dance, who knows? But I think it's it's another indication that teams are going to swing on veterans right now rather than rely on these rookies. And maybe that's going to be a growing trend. And so that was my sort of initial read of it. What was yours? I was pleased by this news because I personally was not a fan of Russell Wilson coming to Philadelphia. I right. didn't want it because I knew what the Eagles would have to give up in order to get such a talented elite quarterback in him. And I'm team hurts. I'm always team hurts. So the fact that the Broncos had to give, had to give up two first rounders, two second rounders, a fifth rounder, Drew Locke, Shelby Harrison, Noah Font, Fant, in order to get Russell Wilson in a fourth rounder, I guess, yes, that was worth it for the Broncos, but I wouldn't have wanted the Eagles to have to give up in order to get him, especially. I mean, because if the idea was like they'd have to give up 15, 19, yes. um, Slay, maybe Goddard, like no. not a lot to give up. And like, yeah. yes, Russell Wilson in a vacuum is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Yeah. But if you're taking those things away, how good is Russell Wilson going to be when he suddenly doesn't have Goddard? Maybe he doesn't have Smith or other pieces that were included in that deal. And you don't have one or two of those first round picks to add talent. Like mm -hmm. that would have been a lot to give up. You know, you and I at the start of draft season, at the start of the offseason, we were like, yeah, you could take those three picks in the first round and really build around Jalen Hurts. Um, that's what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni seemed to indicate at the combine while they were making these phone calls. But now Wilson's in Denver, and so that takes that option off of the table. And I don't think they're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and saying, oh, yeah, let's go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's as big of an upgrade as it would require, given what you would have to pay to do it. So no. that leaves the one sort of elephant in the room. So right. Yeah, and it does look like Watson, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday. Apparently he's mm -hmm. meeting with Cleveland people. 
Um, he's met with the Saints. He's met with the Panthers. It looks like he's going to go to one of those organizations. And, okay, like, I mean, that's kind of fine. Let him go to one of those organizations. Is Deshaun Watson a talented football field on the field? Sure. The lines? Yes. There's obviously a lot more to that situation than just what he can do on the field. Yeah, and we don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. And, yes, did, did a, a grand jury sort of – did not decide not to bring charges on nine of these cases. Yes. There are 22 allegations. He's facing 22 civil suits. Like it's not done and over. And the NFL has yet to weigh in and who knows what the NFL decides to do. I would imagine at some point a suspension is coming multiple games, six, eight. Like if you trade for a quarterback, who's going to miss half the season in mm -hmm. his first year with you. That's a that's a window that's closed for one year where you're probably non-competitive, mm. and then you have to give up all of that stuff to get him. Let him know. Let him know. I mean, is, that doesn't seem to be a smart move to me. But it doesn't. Other organizations seem like they're willing to do that, even with this cloud of an impending suspension looming overhead. So let them deal with it. Yeah. Let's start business. We'll let them handle that. Yeah. And before we started recording, you talked to me a little bit about Gardner Minshew. So can you tell the listeners what you were telling me? Yeah, I mean, our good friend Mike K wrote a piece today over at uh, Pro Football that we're talking about. Look, you know, we see this quarterback carousel spinning. It's going to stop at some point. There are going to be teams left without a, a place to sit or, 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 you know, a little horse to ride on of a carousel, so to speak. Um, teams that miss out on, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or potentially a Deshaun Watson or Jameis Winston. Gardner Minshew might become an attractive option for those teams as a sort of consolation prize, right? Like if you're – the New Orleans Saints, and you don't bring Winston back, you don't get Watson, and now you're like, all right, well, who's going to be our starting quarterback right now? Are we really going down for another year down the sort of, all right, yeah, it hasn't worked yet. Maybe it'll finally work for Taysom Hill or Ian Book or Trevor Simeon. Or you're going to say, look, Gardner Minshew's got some NFL starting experience under his belt. We'll go get Gardner Minshew and then maybe add another piece in the draft to try to figure out this quarterback. Minshew might become sort of an attractive option to teams. And that's just, you know, one example teams that sort of miss out. The Colts, for example, if they decide they don't trade uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo, as many people expect they will, does Minshew become a potential solution to their quarterback problems in Indianapolis? And so that's also something to think about. And of course, if they move on from Minshew, it allows Howie Roseman to do what he loves doing more than anything else, which is, hey, let's draft another quarterback. All right. You know, obviously they wouldn't do it in the first round, but if they decide, hey, we're going to take another quarterback at some point in this draft, whether it's maybe the pick at 51 in the second, the pick at 83 in the third, or 123 in the fourth, and you get it into, you know, maybe a Bailey Zappi, Skylar Thompson. I'm kind of looking at my board over here. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even a guy like Jack Cohn from Wisconsin, Notre Dame, like that might give Howie Roseman a, another opportunity to add to his beloved. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, and that's something that as you see right there, yep. pays the bills for us. So oh, hey, yeah. that happens. <laughs> yeah, no. And talking about the Eagles, we know that so far in free agency, they did make a move for Hassan Riddick. So, that's a pass rush, pass rusher, a veteran pass rusher. So when we look at the draft and the Eagles' needs now, do you think that that makes a shift in the direction that they're going in now that they have Reddick, who's definitely 
a good move. He's a good pick, a solid pickup, and is definitely going to benefit um, the defense for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the Reddick signing. I, I think it's fantastic. Gives him, you know, a, a presence off the edge, very talented kind of pass rusher, somebody that, you know, a lot of people were looking at in the open market. I don't think it takes pass rusher off the board in the first round. I think it okay. slides it down a little bit. You know, I, I still think corner is a need. Yeah. We still think linebacker is a need, and you've got at least a Devin Lloyd. I know Kobe Dean is a little bit undersized. I don't know if people are going to like that move as much in the first round, but I think linebacker certainly a need. You do wonder about wide receiver at some point if they add to that group yet again. Yeah. But if one of these top pass rushers is sort of staring them in the face at, say, 16 or at, say, 19, like if you mm-hmm. see somehow like – you know, I don't know if we'll slide that far, far, but there's a lot of talk about Kayvon Thibodeau sliding. Yeah. Jermaine okay. Johnson has played himself into the top of the first round, but maybe he's there. Trayvon Walker from Georgia, David Ojabo from Michigan, even George Calafidis, the, the Purdue pass rusher. There's a lot of first-round potential pass rushers in this draft. Mm-hmm. And if they like one of those guys at 19, I don't think added Reddick takes it off the board because if there's one thing we know about the NFL right now, you need a lot of corners. Yep. You need a lot of pass rushers. Like yeah. you need those things. Yeah. And if you could come out of the first round with one of these top corners, whether it's Stanley, whether it's Booth, add in a pass rusher to put him across from Reddick and get in the pass rush and rotation, Jonathan Gannon's going to be really happy with what he can do. And then maybe you add a receiver or, you know, an interior offensive lineman. Kelsey coming back gives them some flexibility. A lot of early mocks had Tyler Lindebaum, the Iowa center, as like, okay, yeah, he's with, with Kelsey's status in the air. Yeah, you want to add this kid. Now you don't have to do that. Maybe you can address interior offensive line a little bit later. But this is a, this is what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni both talked about at the combine. With the cap space that they have and with the draft picks that they have, they can do a lot of different things. And, and so now they've added Reddick, which I think is a very nice move, but I don't think it necessarily means that, yeah, they're not going to draft an edge. They still might, and it still might happen in the first round. I can say I'm confident now and I'm feeling good compared to how I was feeling before Russell Wilson got traded, you know, yeah. a little nervous about what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni were going to do with this draft capital. As of right now, March 15th, I right. am confident. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Like they're not going to mess this up. We're going to be in a good place. Right. And I, I, I think, you know, one of the takeaways from what they were saying in Indy was they seemed excited about the cap space and even more the draft capital they had and, and how we kept saying over and over again, the more bites of the apple you have, because the draft is an inexact art, like even first round picks, it's 50-50 at best, whether they pan out. You got three of them, say you hit on two of the three, that's really nice for, from a roster construction standpoint. And so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's hopeful that they, you know, and whether Wilson would have come to Philly, I know there's been some reporting that he didn't want to come to Philly or that Seattle didn't want to trade him within the NFC. And I sort of get that, but they still now have, as a result of the Wilson deal going elsewhere, three picks in the first round, three picks in the top 20. They can do a lot of different things with those. You know, I know there's also been the idea of trading down a little bit and getting a future first rounder as a little hedge against Hurts for next year, but still having three picks in the first round. There's a lot they can do. And so I think that's really exciting for Eagles fans. Yeah. I mean, we touched on a lot today. Like we we just we went on and on and on. But do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? I, I, th- I think it's interesting that now a fan base has to talk themselves into Mitchell Trubisky 
Um, yeah. <laughs> somebody that during Trubisky's run in Chicago, I was working for Pro Football Weekly, which is an outlet based out of Chicago. And every week I would have to do a Mitchell Trubisky breakdown, an article, and hmm, that that good luck with that, Pittsburgh. Like there are things you can do with them, but I was laughing so hard when I like saw that pop up on my Twitter feed because a little background, my I live in a house divided. My parents, uh, my mom is a Steelers fan and my little brother is a Steelers fan. Oh. And they were like, we don't want Trubisky. So when that happened, I was laughing so freaking hard because I was like, yep. okay. That, that's a run into the living room with the phone up situation. Like, yes, I texted her immediately. I was like, yeah. Look, I, it was a screenshot. And I was like, see, I told you. It was so yeah. funny. So funny. I mean, it's not like they broke the bank for him. And it seems like this is more, they're bringing them in to compete with Rudolph and Haskins and, and, and okay. But like, right. again, the idea that like a team like even Pittsburgh at 20, is going to be like, look, we're going to cast our lot in with Mitchell Trubisky and M Mason Rudolph. I, I I keep coming away with this idea that the league just looks at this incoming rookie class and is like. Which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. But I think the only thing, the only positive you can take away from that is knowing that Mike Tomlin never fails. Like yeah. we know his reputation and the credibility he has just since he's been in the league so you kind of it's like something to laugh about but at the same time you never know what he has up asleep up his sleeve and he never has a losing season so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with Trubisky right and, and Tomlin said Tomlin was straight out like look I, I want to play with a veteran and yeah. so they got the veteran might they still draft a quarterback yeah but and I, I think the other thing to sort of keep in mind here with seeing how the league might view these quarterbacks it might be like yeah these guys are good but we're not starting any of them this year and so teams might still draft these guys and then have some patience with them. Like a team like Washington, a team, well, the, the, the Wentz then might negate that, but a team like Pittsburgh might be there at 20 and they're like, we're going to draft a Desmond Ritter if he's here or Kenny Pickett. And we got these other guys. We'll get a starter for a year. We'll have our veteran and then we can see what those guys do next year. So these incoming rookie quarterbacks might benefit from it because there won't be that urge, that need to get them on the field if all these teams are going to be adding these veteran one-year stopgap type options. I think you're 100% sure and accurate about what you just said. But, I mean, I think we touched on a lot today. I think this was a really good informative episode, and I think that's going to be a wrap. So next week, Carmen Vitale from uh, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Network. She's going to be coming on. We're going to talk some hurts. We're going to talk the return of Tom Brady. We're going to talk about – Maybe work in her beloved Chicago Bears as well. So that's yes. going to be a fun show. Yeah. Can you say the name again? Because I think I was laughing when you said it. Carmen Vitale from Tampa. Like I said, formerly the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now with the Draft Network, cover the league. So it's going to be a fun show. Yes. Well, we will have another special guest for you, lovely listeners. So make sure you tune in for next week's episode. But thank you so much. That's going to be all for this week's episode of the QB Factory Reboot. Make sure you rate, leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Follow us on Instagram at Bleeding Green Insta. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Mark on Twitter. Any last words, Mark? As always, go Eagles.